Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. How are you guys? I feel like this is impossible to, what just happened in here, this is impossible to make it as good as what just happened. That's okay, though. That's what's good about coming to a church where people are worshipers, even if the message stinks, which I think it's okay. I think it's going to be okay. Um, It's a really valuable time that we just spent with the Lord. It's good stuff. Well, welcome everyone here. Welcome to those of you watching online. Uh, I've got a message for you this morning. And by the way, youth group, good job, you guys. You guys are amazing. They do. We've got a powerful, powerful youth group at this church. So Ben, Stephanie, Marissa, and the rest of the youth volunteers, you guys are, you guys are amazing. Uh, the title of my message today is called Godly Legacy. And primarily, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to raise godly children. Children that have convictions, children that have morals, values, and the children that will eventually step into having a relationship with the living God. Now, if you're here and you don't have children or, or you have children that have moved on, um, there's still something for everyone in this message because I'm primarily going to talk about the value of the Word of God in our lives and how that's important. But how many know that we all have a vested interest in seeing to it that the next generation is raised correctly, right? Because how many know that we have to live in the world that the next generation is coming up in? So we want to put the right um, values in them and the, and the value for the Word of God in them. What does this look like? What does it look like to raise children have convictions and morals and that they will come into relationship with the living God. Uh, I think one verse that stands out to me that um, I love, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to read this in the um, English Standard Version. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay? We are looking for children, and we want to be this as well, people, who will not grow up to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be able to test any and every situation to know the will of God in a situation. How many know you need the Word of God and you need the Spirit of God to discern the will of God in a situation and to be able to discern the will of God for your life? What is the right choice to make? What is the wrong choice to make? What to say and how many know what not to say? Sometimes just as important, right? When to speak and when to be silent. So um, to kick off my sermon, I have a a video um, just talking about social conformity. So go ahead and roll that video. Set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this, or would you? After just three beeps, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please.
Okay, now she's alone. The crowd is gone and nobody is watching her except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. And slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. Here to explain what's going on in their brains is Jonah Berger of the University of Pennsylvania. This sort of internalized form of herd behavior is part of what we call social learning. Starting at a very early age, when we see members of our group perform a task, our brains literally reward us for following in their footsteps. When I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them. Otherwise, I'm like excluded. Once I decided to go with it, then I felt much more comfortable. Conformity is how we become socialized, but it can also cause us to develop bad habits or repeat past wrongs. And it's why even this rebel, who wasn't standing for any of this nonsense, eventually joined the ranks. And the only thing more shocking than seeing how easily conformity affects the way you act is that similar forces are subconsciously shaping the way you think right now. <laughs> now, I know you don't do that. I know that you're the exception to this rule. Now, when it comes to brushing our teeth, putting deodorant on, social conformity is like a really good thing. But Romans 12:2, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, okay? Um, we're not supposed to be people that conform perfectly to the patterns of this world. Um, in order to do that, how many know, to be a believer, to stand as a Christian in this world, you have to go against the flow, right? If you're, if you're not uh, going against the flow and bumping into a demon every once in a while, you might be going the wrong direction, okay? Um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn, to, turn to the book, uh, a surfer's favorite book. What is a surfer's favorite book? Deuteronomy. All right. Deuteronomy. Or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. I don't know. By the way, they're doing another one of those, aren't they? We'll see. I can't vouch for it. All right. Deuteronomy chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. We're talking about raising godly children. Be not conformed to this world. These are the commands. This is um, uh, God had just given 
uh, I should say Deuteronomy, it's a reiteration. Moses is um, getting the chil- children of Israel ready to go into the promised land. Um, and then De- Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gives a reiteration of the Ten Commandments. So he's talking about the laws and the de- decrees of the Lord. In the context today, we're going to talk about the Bible, the Word of God, okay? So this is what it says. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you and to observe in the land that you are crossing, the Jordan, to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that it may, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Okay. Pause. It is God's will. It is his desire that you enjoy a long life. I I wish uh, above all things you would, you would prosper and be in good health. It says that in James as he prays for them. Uh, Deuteronomy six, three through six. Hear Israel and be careful to observe so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These are the commands that I give you today. Um, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Okay. I love this verse. Verse six. These commands are to be on your hearts. It was never God's intent that his laws or his, um, the way he wants us to live would be merely written on tablets of stone. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He wrote on tablets of stone, but it was never supposed to stay on tablets of stone. God wanted these laws to be written on our hearts. How many know that it takes the grace of God to transform a heart so that, so that we would live from the living word. We would live from the living, the living truth, Jesus Christ in our hearts, not an external, um, an outward in, but, a, but an inward out. Amen? Okay, so we don't want an external religiosity to change us because it can't. We want an in, inside-out expression of the grace of God, expressing what it looks like to love God, what it looks like to love people, what it looks like to transform the world we live in. Amen? Verse uh, 7 says this, Impress them, speaking of God's words, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay, impress them on your children. Talk about them along the road. Write them on on the door frames. Do you guys uh, ever do this at your house? You have door frames or scriptures you put on your mirror. Just put them in front of you, okay? He says to do this, impress the word of God on your children, okay? Now, what does this look like for us? Um, what does it look like for us in the New Testament? It's not an, again, it's not an external form of religiosity, cramming rules and religion down our kids' throats, um, but it is um, teaching them to have that inside-out expression of the word of God. Okay, so I want to give you three keys today of how to create a godly legacy. All of them have to do with the word of God. We want and we are looking for a generation that is not easily conformed to the patterns of this world, but transformed by the renewing of their mind that would live out Christianity from their heart. Amen? It takes grace and it takes truth to do this. Okay, point number one, how to create a godly legacy. Number one, mold children with God's word. Okay, mold children with God's word. Children are malleable. Children are flexible. How many know when a kid falls down, they don't get hurt as easily as adults? Like, I'm going to be 40 this year, and I heal slower than I used to heal. You know, and when I fall down, I, like, get hurt a lot easier. And things, it's like, I don't even know how I got hurt, but I'm hurt, you know? Where you wake up, you have an injury. It's like, how did I get an injury, you know? 
Okay, kids are malleable. Kids are flexible. But their, their minds and their souls are still malleable and flexible as well. They are impressionable. Listen, parents, take advantage of that season. Because that season doesn't last forever. <laughs> because eventually they become teenagers. And they don't listen to anything you say, right? <laughs> so take advantage of the malleability, the flexibility of that season. Kids, in many ways, are like wet cement. They're moldable. They're shapeable. Um, how many know that when you pour cement... It's malleable, it's flexible, but after a couple hours, you can, walk on, you can walk on the concrete, and after about a week, you can drive on concrete. Um, last week, I, I had a slab of concrete poured in my backyard. I've wanted a, a patio back there for a long time. Ben got some concrete poured last week. It, it is the season. Everyone's working on their homes because they can't really travel. I heard someone was telling me that the Lowe's stock like doubled during COVID. Like, they're, kill- they're crushing it. Lowe's and Home Depot and all these places. But I got a slab of concrete poured. I'm going to show you a couple pictures just because it's cool. So uh, do the before picture. This, this is the before picture of the area. My wife wanted to do a garden there for like years. And I'm like, no, eventually, eventually we're going to put a, you know, we're going to ex- expand the patio. So let um, me go ahead and do the after pick. Boom. So we got that slab poured. It's a nice little area. Come on. Um, and... Okay, so after a couple hours, they, I mean, it's not ideal to walk on it right away, but it, certainly after a night, you can, you can walk on it, and it's going to be solidified. How many know that children are like that? Well, by the time they become teenagers, they become a little more brittle, or a little, little more um, stiff, and you can't mold them anymore. Um, by the way, I mean, you know how some families like to put their hands in the concrete, and like, we don't do that, because <laughs> no one's going to want to buy my house with my kids' hands prints in the concrete. You know, maybe on this, I don't know if you do that, but I told Emily, I said, listen, they're coming to pour concrete today. You and the kids need to go get away from the house. Because I didn't want this to happen. Go ahead and show the next picture. Okay. I didn't want anything like that to happen. That was a rude awakening right there. And if you Google um, wet cement fails or stuff like that, there's a lot of really great pictures. Just giving that to you. People who drive across them or ride their bike across them. It's pretty awesome. Ben was telling me that his son, Wally, came in the house when they had concrete pour, and he's got cement all over his feet. He's like, what'd you do, buddy? So anyway, <laughs> Proverbs 22.6 says this, start children off on the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start them off in the right direction, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Um, the New King James Version, it says, train a child in the way they should go. And when they grow older, they will not depart from it. Um, I looked up the Hebrew word for train, and it literally means to limit options, to, to narrow. I'm sorry, the, the little translation is to narrow. So it's the idea of limiting options. It's the idea of like, there's so, how many know there's so many things in the world? You could go here, you can do this, you can do that. Let's do this, let's go here. And that's how our brains are many times. But training a child in the way they should go is narrowing their options, focusing their options not letting them have any and everything they want, right? I think if, if we handed a million dollars to every person in this room, some of us would do good with it. Some of us would do really bad with this. Because why? We would have more options. Like the options would open up. And options opening up for some of us is not a good thing. Some of us, it, I think it's by the grace of God that he's narrowed our focus. You know, we have to go to our job nine to five. And we, we have to, you know, stay, stay to it. Because sometimes options destroy people. As parents... Part of the job of training a child in the way they should go is narrowing the horizon, focusing them so that they can't do any and everything. Amen? 
Okay, so Jesus, Jesus said this, broad is the path to destruction, narrow, right, is the path that leads to righteousness. Okay, so that's part of parenting. Um, <clears throat> okay, so that's point number one. We got to teach kids boundaries. We got to teach kids focus. We got to narrow them. And one of the ways we do that is, is by training them in the way they should go. Okay, point number one, mold children with God's word. Point number two, sharpen children with God's word. Again, Deuteronomy 6, it says this, impress them on your children. The, the, word, uh, the Hebrew word that's uh, impress, uh, is tra- that's translated, it means to sharpen. Okay? How many know that um, we want kids that are spiritually discerning, spiritually sharp? When you have the word of God and the spirit of God in you, you are spiritually sharp. You are spiritually ready for action. Okay? I brought some, uh, I brought some knives with me today. I used to be a meat cutter. Did you guys know this? I used to feed people meat. Now I feed people God's, the meat of the word, amen? And, uh, and I, I gave it, when I left, when I left um, meat cutting, I gave my knives away. I'm like, to the next guy, because I'm like, for me, it was like burning the ships, right? I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm moving on. It was a good job while it lasted to pay the bills, but I didn't want to go back. But anyway, you know, you have a steel, and the steel, like, puts, puts an edge on it, right? So I did this a lot. You know, when you're getting ready to cut meat, you have to sharpen your knives. You have to keep them nice and sharp so that you can make a clean cut. I mean, having a sharp, a sharp knife is, it's actually safer than having a dull knife. If you have to work really hard, you could slip, and you can cut yourself. But this is what it's like raising kids, you guys. Sharpen them with God's words. Impress upon them the words of God so that they would be cunning. They would be sharp. They would be ready for action in this world. They'd be wise. They would be intuitive. They'd be ready, for, ready to act, ready for action. Amen? Okay? So sharpen your kids. We don't want dull kids, do we? Dull kids are not good to be around or live with, for that matter. Right? Okay. Hebrews 4.12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the, uh, the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Man, my, I think my favorite, my favorite time of the day is when I'm with, with God, I have my Bible, and I'm just in the word. I'm reading the word with the living word. Amen? And it divides between soul and spirit. It, it exposes your motives. It cuts to the heart. It gets to the heart and the Holy Spirit, you know, can just make those things come alive to you. Amen. That's the word of God. We want kids who are sharp and alive and have the word of God in them. The word of God can penetrate our core, exposing our real thoughts and motives. We want kids that listen, Jesus said it like this. We want to be wise as serpents, right? But as harmless as doves. Serpents are cunning. They're, they're, uh, they're sneaky. They're crafty. We want to be cunning and crafty, yet gentle and innocent like the Holy Spirit, right? Like the, like the dove. Amen? And the Holy Spirit's also powerful, but you know what I'm saying. Okay. Cunning and crafty, gentle and innocent. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We want to raise sharp children. And we want to be sharp. This is the word of God for us. It sharpens us. Amen? All right. That's point number two. Point number three. <clears throat> point number three is help children develop a hunger for God's word. Okay, another um, way that the, the Hebrew word to impress upon it, it can be translated is to wet, W-H-E-T. And I didn't know this, but 
you know the, the phrase to whet your appetite? It's W-H-E-T. I thought it was W-E-T, and I was looking this up. W-H-E-T, and it literally means to entice or to, um, to whet their appetite, to get them um, an uh, appetite for the Word of God. Um, it's this idea of, like, when you go to Sam's Club, you know, they, they don't do this anymore, back before COVID, but um, when you go to Sam's Club, they have all the samples, right? Given all these samples, what, what are they doing? They're wetting your appetite so you would buy more of the product. And they have, like, people. They're paid to sit here, stand there, and hand out samples. And I'm thinking, these people make so much an hour. It has to be worth it for them to staff these people. They're obviously selling more product just simply by wetting your appetite, by handing out a sample. Listen, that's like the, the Word of God with our children. We want to be giving them samples of the Word of God, showing them that the Lord is good. Taste, we'll read this in a minute. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Okay, so listen, what is this not? Again, cramming rules and religiosity down your kid's throat will not make them crave God's word. Okay, a form of godliness without the power will not make them crave God's word. But we want to give them a regular taste of the living word that they would learn to appreciate the richness of the word of God. The word of God is rich. It's like a full meal here. And there's, there's rich flavors in here and there's sour flavors in here, and there's sweet flavors in here, you know, but we want it all, okay. Um, the word of, I think the Bible, I was thinking about this um, yesterday, I think the Bible, for, for many of us, is it is an acquired taste. Um, it, it takes some time to get into it and realize how amazing the word of God is, and that there's the words of life are there, and God's writing them in our hearts, um, but how many know if you eat junk food, you eat, you know, donuts and junk all the time. How many know that you crave that? You, cra- you crave the food that you're eating. But if you start eating healthy food and changing your habits, guess what? Your body starts to crave, crave what's good. Okay? Same thing with the Word of God. If we're constantly filling ourselves with junk, we're going to crave that junk. But if we start filling ourselves with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we're going to crave good things. Okay? There's an acquired taste. Um, let, let me read this real quick. An acquired taste is an appreciation for something unlikely to be enjoyed by the person who has not had substantial exposure to it. And you guys notice when you have kids, there's, you know, I think our kids could eat McDonald's cheeseburger and fries like every day of their life, you know. And then when we're going to a nice restaurant and we don't want to spend as much money, sometimes we'll swing by McDonald's first, get the kids full, right? You eat that junk. And then we go enjoy something nice that's savory and that's more of an acquired taste, okay? But as you grow up, you get more of a, a seasoned palate. You, you begin to appreciate uh, different types of foods more and more. Um, as opposed to uh, innate taste, which is an appreciation for things that are obviously enjoyable by most people without prior exposure to them. There's a lot of things you don't need prior exposure to to just like automatically. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, scrolling endlessly through Facebook and Instagram. That's just brainless activity that you don't need a lot of exposure to that to just fall into that pattern of thinking. Or whatever it is to you today. I mean, you watch that video, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the new of your mind. What is it in your life that you are easily conforming to that the Holy Spirit wants to break you out of, okay? All right. In the natural, hunger is a sign of health. And this is also true in the spirit. In the natural and in the spiritual, hunger, craving food, is a sign of spiritual health. How many know that when you get sick, you stop craving, you don't want to eat? Okay, that's a sign that you're sick. 
Okay, it's the same thing. It's a dangerous place for us believers when we get to a place where we don't crave the word of God, where we don't crave the Bible, where we don't crave worship, where we don't crave time with other believers. These are things we should crave because they're healthy things. When you don't want to be around the body of Christ and you don't want to get into the word and you don't want to get into worship, that's a sign that there's some sickness going on there, okay? But you need that in your life. Um, now, so in the natural and the, and the spiritual are the same in that regard. Um, you're healthy when you crave, when you want to eat. But here's where the natural and the spiritual diverge. There's a difference. In the natural, you get hungry by not eating, right? You don't eat long enough. You guys are coming up on lunchtime here. A lot of you are getting hungry. In the natural, you get hungry by not eating. In the spirit, you get hungry by eating more. Once you get an exposure to this, and you get an acquired taste of this, you're going to want it more and more because it, it's... It's God's words. Come on. It changes you. It transforms you. You have you fellowship with the Holy Spirit as you get into it. Okay, so we want to raise kids who have a taste for the word of God. Amen? Okay, uh, again, uh, Psalms 34, 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, that's not cramming rules and religiosity down their throat. That's saying enticing them, saying, come have a sample. This is so good. Like, worship is good. Prayer is good. The word of God is good. Amen? This is how we raise kids. And you got to get that muscle memory and those reps in so that they, that they know that this is the way to live. Okay? <clears throat> kind of conclude, I guess, with this. This hasn't been a very long sermon. That's okay. Worship was so good. It doesn't matter. I could get up here and just Babel, and we still have had a great service. So, <laughs> Psalm 1 1 through 3, David says this Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. I'll, I'll just pause there real quick. Notice the progression. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the, in the seat of mockers. Okay, so this idea of we're going through our life. And then you're distracted, you're walking with someone, then you stop with someone, and then pretty soon you're sitting with someone, okay? But watch this. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Meditates on the law. It's an example I've heard about this, this word meditate. It's like, um, how many of the cows, they eat, they eat grass, and then it's in their stomach, and I think they have like multiple stomachs or whatever. I should know this because I was a butcher. But, um, but they... Even when they're not eating grass, you see them standing there and they're chewing. They're chewing the cud, right? So they regurgitate what they've eaten and swallowed and they keep chewing on it. That's a picture of the word of God. When we, when we read it, we get it in us, and then we meditate on it throughout the day. Or we meditate on it as we lay in bed at night, okay? Um, he said, but, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers okay whatever they do prospers okay um in eastern meditation there's this idea of like you have to empty yourself right you you quiet yourself and you empty yourself and i, I suppose there's some value because there's lots going on here all the time <laughs> right um but Biblical meditation is different. It's not just about emptying yourself, but it's about filling yourself with the things that you should be thinking about. Filling yourself with the word of God and meditating on God's word. That's biblical meditation, which is amazing and awesome. Okay? That's what we want, and that's what we want to train our kids to be like. 
Come on up here, Gregory. So I just have an admonition for you today, just an encouragement for you today. Those of you raising children, those of you with kids in the youth group that you're, that you're helping to raise up, we want kids who know the Word of God, that value the Word of God, that meditate on the Word of God, and have that muscle memory in their lives. The Word of God is so good. We don't want to be conformed to the ways of this world. We want to be transformed. When we go out of these doors, we don't want to fall in, in perfect step with what's happening around the world. Amen? We want to listen to the Spirit of God and be discerning that we would know His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Amen? Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.